it's just very hard to market plain vanilla services. You know, we clean teeth, we fill teeth, we do this, we do that. Well, everybody else does that. So you got to pick one thing that, that you do very well and market those when you're doing your marketing, whatever that niche may be. Welcome to another episode of the Dental Momentum Podcast, powered by Ducket Lad Dental CPAs and Advisors. Our goal with this podcast is to help guide you to the dental practice you deserve through interviews with industry leaders, uh, providing thought-provoking concepts that you can implement in your practice after listening, and giving you support in your journey along the way. We're so thankful that you are here. So listen in on this week's episode of the Dental Momentum Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Dental Momentum Podcast powered by Duckett Lad Dental CPAs and Advisors. Jared Duckett, Jared Duckett back at you with my business partner, Bill Ladd. And Bill, I'm telling you what, man, I'm getting in the swing of these podcast things. I don't know about you, but I am having an absolute blast just meeting people, talking to people, um, just seeing what they're all about and more importantly, how they help the dental industry. So how about you, man? You having fun doing this? You know, it seems like every time we do one of these, we, we pick up gold nuggets that, you know, we're, we're learning and we're getting better and, and it's helping us as we're trying to help Dennis and, and hopefully he's putting good information out there. So absolutely, I, I, I love these and, and I'm excited about this one. Jared, this one's going to be a great one. We've got a guy here who's had a lot of great experience and has helped a lot of people and uh, this is going to be a fun conversation. Yeah, I agree 100%. And- and, you know, with us today is Dr. Charlie Vogel, and we've got the, uh, got the um, you know, ability to meet this gentleman, I guess it's been a couple of years ago, at, at local deals in town, you know, and Dr. Vogel is, is the owner of the Dental ER Clinic here in Springfield, Missouri, but also coaches. He has a passion for coaching dentists and helping dentists get more profitable in business and overall make their life better. Um, so, Dr. Vogel, we appreciate your time, and welcome to the show. Well, glad to be here, and glad to be with both of you guys. Yeah, definitely. So just start off, Dr. Vogel, if you don't mind, um, you know, everybody's got, got a story. Everybody's got, you know, how they started out in, in the dental industry and how they got to where they are today. So if you don't mind, take a couple minutes if, and just kind of unpack your, your journey, just starting out and, and getting where you are as the owner of the Dental ER Clinic. Well, this is probably a longer journey than most of your uh, <laughs> clients because it's been going on for about 50 years, but my grandfather was a dentist way back when and uh, so I practiced with him for a little bit. Uh, I had a couple of practices on my own, was in a joint venture with a, a couple of younger dentists uh, and finally uh, retired from all that uh, and got a little bit bored, had my hips replaced and uh, I'd made a couple of three trips to Nicaragua where we helped people who really needed things, mostly extractions, urgent care and I'd worked with an urgent care facility here in Springfield that was closing down uh, called the Kitchen Clinic, which was an outgrowth of a soup clinic and it did some welfare work and so forth. They were closing, so uh, I was kind of bored after selling my last business in uh, 2009. And so I decided to open the clinic that I have now called the Dental ER. And it's just been a, a fun occupation. Uh, turned out to be the kind of thing that uh, has thrived when people are on hard times. So right now we're extremely busy, but uh, it's taken a lot of zigs and zags, but it's, uh, it's been fun. It's interesting that you, you say that. We actually were talking uh, about a month ago or so, kind of when COVID was just right in the, in the swing of things as we kind of timestamp this podcast. 
but that's interesting. Unpack that that concept that that your business actually picked up during these hard times. What do you see in there? What 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 tends to happen that leads to that? Well, you get. I I did this in two thousand and ten. We were coming out of an era where. Uh, there'd been some job loss, there'd been some insurance losses and bit other things. And so there was a higher need for people to have urgent care because they were, were putting things off. It's sort of like any other thing. If you put it off long enough, it becomes more and more urgent. So uh, I started this business with a, in a downside economy. And uh, it takes a lot of different kind of thinking than a conventional practice because it doesn't depend on repeat business. Uh, yeah. 90% of our clients are, are new clients every, every year. Uh, so we have to keep attracting people. Uh, it, it's just a, a totally different concept. And that's really what I liked about it. Would this be something that every dentist would like? No, not at all. This is something that an old man entrepreneur likes because it's just challenging <laughs> and fun to do. Uh, it was fun to build. It's been fun to market. It's been fun to do all those things. Um, but there were some other characteristics about it that made it unique in the fact that I had gotten so much personal gratification out of my visits in Nicaragua uh, of just thanks and appreciation. Oh my God, my I, have, I don't have a toothache now and all this stuff that it became kind of apparent that that was something uh, that I, uh, I enjoyed and wanted to do. Um, a couple of people that know me and, and actually my grandfather a little bit said, this is kind of like your grandfather's practice was in the thirties, only with a whole bunch of new technology because back <laughs> in the thirties, uh, people couldn't afford uh, very much. They, you know, that was tough times and so forth. So yes, we're taking care of a certain group of people, uh, that otherwise uh, have a lot of trouble uh, getting cared for. So, so talk a little bit, why, why specifically did your business ramp up during COVID? Is it just because patients couldn't go in to see their, their primary general dentist or how's that work? Well, <clears throat> I, if I knew everything, I would tell you and then I'd write a book about it, but I don't. <laughs> and I, su I suspect one of the things that happened is that people prolonged going to their regular dentist or to anybody for six, eight, nine, ten weeks because many of them were closed uh, by uh, mandates and for different reasons yeah. they were closed. Uh, and uh, for safety reasons, we actually closed for six weeks because the help felt very uncomfortable being in there as scary as the virus was. Uh, although right now our virus in Springfield is probably more scary than it was back then yeah. because most everything's media hysteria and New York was having media hysteria. So we thought we were dying out here, but we weren't. And that was part of it. Um, I can't pinpoint all of it. Now I will have to say that realizing that things were changing, we ramped up, we had to actually bring on a, another employee uh, realizing there was a need out there, we increased our marketing. One of the uniquenesses of this business uh, versus your typical vital signs of your dental office is a lot of dental offices uh, do 2% of their gross revenue for marketing or something. Well, we yep. do 10 or 12 uh, wow. because we're virtually, uh, everybody is a new patient. Uh, we've seen, uh, you know, over the years, uh, we've seen... Uh, thousands of people we, we 
we average about 2,000 new patients a, a year. And uh, so, you know, that, that adds up in 10 years, that's 20,000 people. But we have to keep attracting those people because once they're out of pain or their broken tooth is gone or whatever happens from an urgent care standpoint, they're not coming back necessarily. And if they come back, they're probably not coming back to us because of the fact that we limit what we do to just urgent care. Yeah. So are, are you practicing in the dental ER clinic, Dr. Vogel, or are you just I'm on the... kind of the owner operator and everything, although uh, that, as you can tell from all the gray hair, I probably need to get somebody younger. The <laughs> problem is, is we haven't really found a, a younger dentist that uh, seems to like this mode. So I've been looking into other retired dentists who either retired early for some reason, uh, decided they're bored, uh, want a ready-made business to... Uh, to take on and so forth when I sell it. But uh, it takes a certain kind of individual. And, you know, I was one of those people that, that loved surgery in my general practice. So uh, the surgery aspect of it and the going to Nicaragua part and all that stuff uh, was just a natural thing. And you have to like the surgery uh, to do that. You, you know, what's interesting you talked about there was your marketing budget. And certainly that is much higher. But as the, as the COVID has affected the general dentistry mindset, a lot of people are having to kind of adopt that startup mentality that, you know, maybe those some patients who have been coming maybe aren't going to come for a while. So you do need to drive that new traffic. So do you see any uh, lessons to be learned for a general dentistry, you know, in, in kind of your model or, or ways that they may have to look a little differently in their marketing and how they're trying to attract uh, general, patients indoor. General, general dentistry has a, a big problem. <clears throat> They're all plain vanilla general dentists. And so one of the things that I did before this uh, dental ER is I niched down into implant dentistry and adult orthodontics. About the only way that it's very easy for uh, a dentist to hold up his hand and wave around and do something is to do something niche. Uh, he doesn't have to give up the other things that he does and so forth but he needs to think in terms of a niche because then he can talk about that niche. Uh, I, I even know CPAs and other people who are niching down to certain categories of, of people that they serve. And that allows them to stand out in a group when they're just plain vanilla. And I, I was a plain vanilla dentist for a long time. It's just very hard to market plain vanilla services. You know, we, we clean teeth, we fill teeth, we do this, we do that. Well, Everybody else does that. So you got to pick one thing that, or two things that you do very well and market those when you're doing your marketing, whatever that niche may be. Yeah. What, what do you hear? And, and we'll hit on your, the coaching that you do as well, but why do you think a lot of, let's speak general dentists here, don't go find the niche that just stay in, as you say, a plain vanilla. Why do you think they don't go find that niche? Well, I, I have to be very careful that I don't step on people's toes, but it's basically basically fear-driven. Dentists are very uh, repetitive. They like to do the thing, same things all the time. They like to do what they learned in school. Um, they're, they're, they're not basically many of them. A few of them are entrepreneurial, uh, and, and they don't want to get outside this box and, and think about things any differently. Uh, one of the huge advantages that any practice will benefit from any kind of coaching and the kind of coaching you choose is going to 
partly determine the kind of direction you're going to go in. If you get into coaches who future focus and help you see into the future uh, so that you can plan it and, and do something about it, you know, bringing the future into the present so you can be in charge of it is much easier than waiting for something to happen and it's already happened and you don't have any control over it. Now, I know we couldn't have brought this coronavirus into the future. We, we couldn't have foreseen that. But there's other things that we can foresee, uh, such as if you live in a place where there's a lot of tornadoes, you can see that that's coming and you may want to do an electronic way to protect your records and protect certain things. If you're in a flood prone area, you may want to take steps to uh, be able to, to survive that in, in a reasonable way. If the power goes out every so often in your area, you may want to have a generator or something. So you'll be one of the, the few businesses that's able to open that particular day because you have a generator. And all these things are a matter of a coach who sees your business a little differently or perhaps sees it as a business and not as a dental practice uh, can help you see. Um, and and many, many of us, I was very fortunate to have some very uh, good visionaries as coaches when I was coming along and one of them recently passed here and his name was Omar Reed and they've actually put up a website uh, omarreed.com and they have the archives of all of his old tapes and, and uh, literature and all his stuff on file and it's amazing how some of the things he wrote 15-20 years ago are very appropriate for now but the whole process was to get the dentist thinking a little bit about something different about the future about what might happen if this happened what would i do and uh, we dentists and i was pretty typical and i went to school with a hundred other of them and so i know the the breed part of us is, is the testing that they do to let you get in dental school tests out some of these uh, wild entrepreneurial off the wall uh things and, and you just fit into a certain stereotype and that's the kind of people that the profession is attracted. And that's one thing that we've really noticed and, and we've heard a lot of groups that are frustrated that there really is no specific training in the business of dentistry, you know, in, in school. And, and so, you know, a lot of those people who do kind of have that entrepreneurial spirit, uh, you know, even if they, they break off, a lot of times they come in and they may just not know how to run a, a dentist practice. So, so talk a little bit through, you know, some of those people that come to you that do have that entrepreneurial spirit and they're, they're wanting to, to dial in their practice a bit. What, what are some of the things that you tend to see, Dr. Vogel, that are broken? What are some of the more common things that are broken in, in these entrepreneurs' practice? Well, most of them have a fairly good uh, software office management program. But when I query them about uh, what's your x-ray department making, what's your hygiene department making, and so forth, they don't know the answers to those things. It's sort of like they just haven't looked it up. Uh, if they look it up, for instance, a lot of dental offices have a, a pano machine. And if they'll look up the number of panos that that took last year, and uh, it'll tell them how, what the dollar value was, and they would be surprised that they probably paid for the pano machine every year. And yet they may have a CEREC machine or another machine over here 
that if they look up the same thing, it hadn't paid but a fifth of its total value in a year. So that they don't tend to know uh, their numbers. And, and I think uh, it, it's been like, uh, the, the numbers never come up in dental school, never. I mean, it's never a, a numbers thing. Uh, to some degree, this is to purify their thinking so they always do the very best mm. thing for the patient, irregardless of, of what's going on. Uh, but unfortunately, when they get into the real world, uh, not every patient can afford what I refer to as Lexus dentistry. They, they, it's just not affordable for everybody. So you have to do different things uh, and, and qualify them. So what, what advice would you get? So you just said it, you know, numbers are everything and you have to look at the numbers, but numbers aren't in dental school. I think that's what you just said. Numbers aren't in dental school. You got, a, you got a dentist right now who's coming out of practice and looking to jump in, or maybe they're an associate somewhere and they're going to buy a practice. What, what do they need to be doing before they buy that practice so that when they get in, they know what numbers to look at. They know how to run a business. I mean, how do they go about getting that business acumen, if you will, so that when they jump in, they're at least a little, a little wet, if you will, on the business owner side of things. I don't know the the words that you guys use back when I was doing more of this for my own self, we have what we call performance. Does anybody that yeah. bell ring? Okay. And you get somebody who says, okay, you're going to need, this is your rent. This is this, this is this. You're going to need to do this much gross uh, before you're going to take a salary. Uh, I'll give you a kind of simple example of this. It came up a long time ago when I was still in the motorcycle business is uh, my friend that had the business, uh, I was just a salesman there, was going to move locations. And uh, they did some research for him and they found out that he sold a certain brand, Suzuki, that sold 11% of the market. And he was moving to a little burg and they showed him that if he sold, they knew what the data was at the license bureau and everything. If he sold 11% of the motorcycles, this was how many he was gonna sell. And that wasn't enough motorcycles to justify the cost of his move. So what he did is he had to go get another franchise and combine that because the franchise, the, the two franchises together, one was 20% the other was 11, now brought it up to 31% of the market that he would be able to, to sell to. That was going to be enough to justify his move. But if he had have moved without knowing this, that, that knowledge would have been very difficult for him to catch up. And he probably wouldn't have understood why, but it was all a part of a, a performance that was done. Uh, I think dentists don't move into logical places. They move into where their wife wants to move. They do a lot of silly things. There was an old thing that used to talk about location, location, location as being the big thing for a dental office. There's only one thing about location right now, and it's all, we're in front of it. It's all about the web. You can be lo located around the corner and underneath a, a street a street light, but they look you up on the web. Yeah. And uh, you know the silly thing is, is that uh, for some reason they've always thought dental location was a big deal. I challenge any young dentist out there to tell me when the last patient he saw because of his location was driving down the street and thought, oh, there's a dental office. I need my teeth cleaned. I think I'll drive in. <laughs> uh, that's just not the way it works. First of all, we've taught them to call and do all these other things and jump through hoops. 
and yet less than 50% of them have their phone number as a part of their main sign. So if they think location's a big deal, they're, they're mismanaging that. So that all goes back to a part of, of early understanding. And this, the understanding is changing daily because, you know, not only do we have uh, websites, but we've got to have SEO so that the website can be found. And then we've got to have an action step on that website so that somebody takes an action. But uh, the, the guy who sells them the website for an overpriced $8,000, $10,000, he doesn't tell them all that. He just sells them a website. And so it's sort of like the real estate guy who sells them a really nice building in a really pretty place, uh, but doesn't tell them how to get in the, how to get them in the parking lot. So I don't know if that answered your question, but it was a good answer. It's <laughs> no, a great answer. I, I think it's, you know, you bring up a, a great point and it, it's something that I think is, is probably a, a pain point. A lot of people we come into contact with is, is they don't know their numbers. They don't know how effective their marketing is. They don't know why people are coming into, um, you know, to, into the practice. So they just, they need help. And, you know, a coach can be a big part of that, a coach or a mentor. So, for the listeners out there, Dr. Vogel, what are some of the signs that you see or, or when a, a dentist finally can give himself permission to say, you know what, I don't have all the answers. I do need help. I do need to go out and find somebody who's been there, done that, and can help guide me through all this complicated stuff we've just been talking about. What, what are some of the signs that they can be looking for? Well, I think one of the main signs is burnout. And part yeah. of that burnout comes because they're, they're doing a lot of things but none of them really perfectly and none of them extremely profitably and they're not really happy with what they're doing and they've kind of forgotten uh, why they got into this in the first place and it's become very overwhelming uh, because they didn't plan to be a business person they didn't plan a whole lot of things they they just this got thrust upon them a lot of the dentists who it's thrust upon end up working for Aspendale and other people yeah. because they just they can't handle or don't want to handle all that other. And when you work for Aspendell, you throw 10, 15, 20% of the profit out the window because they're a corporation, they're going to take that profit. So the solo guy has a chance to do very well, but as I said, he has to kind of like it. And sometimes that takes some value clarification. One of the things I did every year, I made two lists. One list was the, the things I liked to do the very most, uh, root canal, crown, whatever. I made this list, top to bottom. That was the top. And over here on the other side, I made what I estimated per hour made me the most of the least money, whether it was $60 an hour or $600 an hour, which was I most productive in. And I had those two lists. And I went down to the bottom of the list and took each list and the, the least profitable four or five things, I quit doing those. And the things I least liked, I quit doing those. And so I kept refining this list to make things that I liked and things that were profitable. The lists weren't always the same, but there were some similarities. And, and it also caused me to quit doing a service that was uh, I liked but it was a total loss. It was just, it was costing me, it, my, it cost me more per hour to do the service than my overhead was. 
And so I just had to say, well, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'll find somebody else to do it, or I'll just tell people I don't do that or, or whatever. And we, we have the ability in, in a free enterprise to do those things. We're not obligated to do uh, every facet of things. It's just like in your field, you're not obligated uh, to, to do every type of, of CPA work. You're going to have some that you like and some you don't. But the more you bog yourself down doing low profitable things that you don't like to do, the faster you're going to burn out. Yeah. I mean, what you said, go ahead, Jerry. Well, I was going to say what you said is, is spot on perfect. You know, we use the term all the time, create the business that supports the life you want to live. That is creating the business, taking the stuff that you don't like to do, or maybe is not profitable. And it is okay, if I heard what you said, it's okay to say no, or I don't do that. Create the business, do the things that supports what you want to do to make you happy. You're right, you will burn out. Yeah, this has been really an educational experience with the Daily Art, because first of all, we promised the dentists in the community that we would only do limited services because we wanted the dentist to refer to us when they were out of town or gone or something, yeah. but we didn't want to steal their patients. So we carry, we have nothing in the building to do permanent fillings, permanent restorations or anything at all. We just don't have any of that. And so it's really easy. I just tell people I don't do that anymore, you know, yeah. and you can do that uh, in, in any, phase of dentistry, uh, root canals are a common thing that some dentists are saying, well, I don't do those, or I prefer not to do those, or whatever terminology they really like to use. Uh, but they need to have an internal dialogue with themselves and decide uh, what they really want to do. Uh, you know, the, the old adage of, of, uh, of the watermelon truck story uh, is always true. Uh, there was a, a farmer here that was running out to the country here and buying watermelons for 61 cents. And he came in here on the corner and was selling them for 59 cents. And one of the consultants came along and told him, I think you'll make more money if you buy a bigger truck. <laughs> <laughs> more watermelons, right? If you're going to sell more watermelons, you got to make more money, right? Oh, right. oh my God. So, oh, you know, those those stories are true. There people, there's dentists who are doing procedures that if they think they'll do more of them, yet if they really, I did a lot of stopwatch studies way back early in my practice, and, and that was one of my coaches' deals. And you'll find that with stopwatch studies, there's some things that you're just not breaking even on or making a fair uh, return yeah. on investment or whatever you want to call it. And uh, you've either got to decide to modify you the way you do it, you've got to delegate it out differently, or you've got to quit doing it. Now, you don't have to quit doing it. You can change the way you do it. Uh, you know, a lot of the things that I'm doing at the Dental ER would have not been profitable without computerization and digital x-rays. I would have to have a whole extra person to take 20 panos a day. But with digital, I take 20 panos a day and five, 10 minutes. It's just not a big deal. So uh, every, everything has to do with, with if you don't want to quit doing it, figure out a way to do it profitably. And that's probably where uh, some good uh, people can come along. It's probably not the people that are trying to sell you another piece of equipment because they just want to put a little price tag on this and make it sound really good. It may not be equipment you need. It may be a 
a personnel you need or, or whatever. Uh, I can remember back when we were still in the, in the film operational business, meaning we didn't have digital and hygienists are a pretty high hourly person. So we hired uh, a part-time person to do nothing but process their bite wings for them because they were back spending 10 minutes in a dark room processing an x-ray and we were paying them XYZ to do this and, and they could be far more productive doing something else. So we hired a low dollar an hour person to process the x-rays. So there's different ways to get around it. You don't have to quit doing it. You just need to think about the ways you're doing it and do it differently. I think one thing that I want to kind of key in on a little bit, because I think it's fascinating. It's one thing I really admire about you is that you do really seem to love what you do and still have a passion for it. And you bring up the word burnout and you bring up the, the, the idea of people and we've heard these conversations, Dr. Vogel, wanting to get out as quick as they can. You know, their back hurts, their neck hurts, they're frustrated, they're, they're irritated by this or that. Look, put yourself kind of back into a younger doctor, maybe in his 40s, you know, coming out of COVID, having, you know, had one gut punch after another. Um, when they kind of start reaching towards that, that burnout phase, are, are you – are you able to see them kind of get their head right, get their head back in the game and, and kind of reconnect back to why they're, why they do it in the first place? True story. When I was 40 years old, I'd gotten divorced. Wasn't a particularly happy time in my life. I went to Drury college as an undergrad student before dentistry. So I went over there and I took a, a, a course or not a course, a computer program. And the computer program was to help students find out, what they liked, not what they were qualified for, not if they had a lot of math skills, but it was, it was a values-based thing. And I was kind of confused running around. And so basically when I got all through it, it said I should be a dentist, uh, a podiatrist or an airline pilot. And that was the three occupations. And since I was already a dentist, I thought, well, I'll just keep on doing this. So I kind of refocused, but I, I've had to, I've had my times that I've had to refocus too, because at 40, I thought, well, maybe the reason I'm in this is because my granddad was a dentist and it was it. So I've had to step back and think about the things. The Nicaragua experience for me, and I was in my later sixties when I did that, I, I was working in a group practice and it was, I could take off two weeks and go down there and, Everybody took care of my clients and I didn't have to worry about things. And uh, that was a, a reinforcement to me why I did it and what I liked. So what I then had to do was build that in the dental ER so that while I was retiring, I could still have fun and do it. If I was still in the business that I was in that I sold to a nice young dentist here in town, uh, I would be burnt out because some of the things I was doing, uh, I had lost the pleasure to do. And uh, sounds so like a key was, sounds like a key was you're able to, to go do something and find out where you're, you were making an impact, you know, where you yeah. were actually see, see the, the, you know, the outlaying of what you were doing and the impact it was creating. Well, it, it was probably some of that uh, thing that I saw in my grandfather years ago when he was uh, doing a lot of helping people. When we got off way in the field of so many cosmetic things and aesthetic things and whitenings and stuff, uh, 
some of that seemed a little less necessary to me, but I'm sure it was necessary for the people that bought it. Uh, but I just enjoyed this, this urgent care. That didn't mean that everybody would enjoy it. It's just that that was my re-stimulation. And I really uh, fluked on that by, like I said, we, my wife and I, my wife's a nurse background. She'd never worked for me. And uh, she went to Nicaragua with me and, and we really had a, a good time. We worked together actually, and we never worked together before, but uh, it was the, it was uh, the service aspect of it that I realized that I had kind of gotten away from that I gotten into. That wouldn't be the same for everybody. Anybody would re-clarify their, their values about why did I get into this? What led me to this, da, 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 and so forth. And I think some of them got into it for money and they're a little bit disappointed that they're not making as much as they could. And one of the reasons they're not making as much as they could is they don't know how to run a business. Exactly. There's no doubt. They just no don't doubt. know how to run a business. They don't know about profit margins. They don't know about things like this. So they, you know, they just, it's sad. And uh, it, I don't think it's gotten any, any better. Now, a lot of us uh, took some business courses along the way either from dentists or we had some coaches that helped us or, or something. Uh, but, uh, you know, Omer Reed, which was one of my mentors, uh, always says, uh, you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And a lot of dentists don't know what they don't know. For, for sure. I think he said something there. I think is very important is, you know, and we see this in any kind of business, including our profession is, if you're really in it to make yourself rich, then your, your passion is going to wear off pretty quick. And, and that's what's going to lead to that burnout. And guess what? Nobody's going to care either. You know, no, your team is going to care about that. And we've had some experiences here where, you know, helping try to kind of get people to where they understand the business and, and understand, you know, how to get it, get it back dialed in has gotten their head back in the game. And, and they realized they had a great team. You know, they just weren't, weren't maximizing their, their potential and and just getting that a little bit of that guidance from a coach or a CPA or whomever, you know, we found that that can get people's heads right and, and kind of get their heads back in the game. And guess what? The the financial results and the cash seem to follow naturally in those situations. Well, and I think that you know goes to picking your CPA. Some CPAs are historians, and some CPAs work in the future. Some so it's it's a, it is one of those things that. Uh, I got a little tired of, of hearing that two years ago, back in February, if I'd done X, Y, Z, it would have been different. And so I changed accountants, you know, and got somebody who, uh, and some of it I had to do on my own, just your own research, because sure. uh, accounting is its own thing. And, and I know that you have a lot of history together, but I know there's other ways to do that too. Yeah. I want to, I want to kind of a tangent here, but I don't want to get you off here unless I ask this question. So I'm, I'm not going to date you here, but I think you said it, you've been doing this 50 years. So it's, it's probably safe to say when you got out of dental school, however many years ago, your, your student loan debt, if you know, was a lot less than a new college, you know, a dental student coming out of college now, which is just, you know, astronomically. I mean, you hear some of the figures, I'll use $500,000 as an example. What would be your, advice to to a college student right now or a dental student right now who's getting ready to come out with let's say that much debt um what would you be advice is it do you still promote hey practice ownership jump in let's 
you know, that's probably the best way for you to go? Or what's your advice to that dental student? Well, I, if I had those circumstances, I'd probably have to wear the pants because I'd probably be doing something <laughs> with pants. But that's really, that's very scary to me because I came out of dental school with a grandfather that was a dentist who helped me. And uh, I've got some of uh, his checks that he wrote for my tuition, which were a whole $2,000 uh, and so forth. And, and so it, we're in a different era. It's, it's very frightening and very, very hard for me to imagine. Uh, the question is, what would they do? And I, I think that's uh, a very difficult thing. I, I think that they'll have to decide. Some are going to go into public health. Some are going to end up working for corporates. Mm -hmm. uh, they may do that for a while and then uh, split off. One of the advantages of a, of a corporate deal is you get a guaranteed salary and some fringe benefits and 401ks and stuff right up front. And then if they work in public health, some of those pay off some student loans and do some things. If you go into the free enterprise thing, I, I think it's really imperative that you probably think about being uh, uh, an associate for some good dental business, not pick one that's not very good. And that's the ones that are usually for sale. They're just selling the old equipment and blah, blah, blah. And all you do is buy a bunch of headaches. But if you go into a, an office where they're uh, pretty progressive, they have a good mis business model. They're showing um, 60 percent overhead, 55, 60, and they're, they're doing pretty good with their numbers and stuff, you're going to learn something in there about business. If you go into an office that's got a high overhead and a, a lot of problems and stuff, uh, you're going to learn about their problems and you're not going to gain much. So I would pick the training ground that I would work on. I don't know in this time that I would do what I did, which was just start out and hang out a shingle and start a practice. But it was a lot different back then. My rent was $105. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My rent was $105. My, my salaries for my assistants were about 300 a month. You know, and I will also tell you that our crowns, our cast gold crowns were only 60 or $65. Our lab bill was $8 for that 60 or $65 crown. You know, so it's hard for me to even really imagine, but I coach enough people who uh, have made some decisions and I coach some that have done really well, but they haven't kept track of their numbers. Yeah. Uh, and the, the first thing that I would suggest that everyone do is find a CPA that before they bought something, they could run it by the CPA. And I'm talking about things like these fancy <clears throat> x-ray machines or, or things that make crowns or any of these other things. <clears throat> Dentists love toys and they'll spend a lot of money on toys with no idea of how their, their ROI is going to come out on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you said over and over and over, know your numbers, you know, the, the, you know, you said pro formas, that's, you're exactly right. That's a word. I mean, we still use is you've got to know if you're looking at acquiring a practice, you know, what are the pro formas? You know, if you paid X for it and what's the cash flow going to look like and, and, and what's the true profit you're going to get after paying financing and all that other stuff. So knowing your numbers is extremely beneficial in, in, in whatever practice you're in. I know a guy that bought a practice and uh, it had XYZ receivables and 
a year later, they wrote off 150,000 that was uncollectible. Yeah. But yeah. that was part of the so-called inventory that he bought, but it wasn't yeah. really there. You know, yeah. so it, it's, it's very difficult. Yeah. And you need somebody with some, some background, whether it's a, a practice appraiser or whether it's uh, accountants that are familiar with that, or, or there's or there's different things, but somebody knows how to dig into that before you you buy something. You know, uh, when you go out and buy a car, you've you've been around cars all your life, but you haven't been around dental offices all your life, so you don't know what to look for in the dental office to know know whether it's a good deal or a bad deal. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really interesting because there's a lot of people who are kind of trying to move in the direction of getting out from underneath their practice with, with so many people burdened with that debt, there's probably a smaller pool of buyers. It's just an interesting, it's just an interesting market right now. And, and I would guess that those with the entrepreneurial spirit are a lot more timid about jumping out from that golden handcuff that they may have at, at a corporate or, or maybe at a, a public health. It, you know, it, it just seems like that the number of people interested in buying those practices might be, might be dwindling with that much debt burden them, keeping them, keeping them up at night. Well, you know, the, it's a risk situation versus, uh, you know, if you're going into an entrepreneurship and they say several of us have, that are entrepreneurs have been broke and I've been completely broke, but I've been down and out a few times because I've made some bad decisions. And, you know, that's the only thing I can tell you is that the, the way you learn not to make bad decisions is make a few of them and then you won't make them again. And you'll that's learn to go talk to somebody about them. Yeah. Well, that's good stuff. Dr. Vogel, we appreciate it. Um, you know, tons and tons of gold nuggets here. What I'd like to do end on, end on one thing. So speaking to the, den the dentist out there, the dental practice owner, um, you know, they've kind of got thrown a haymaker. Bill used that term. They got thrown a haymaker and got hit, you know, with COVID. And they're, they're trying to come back out of it here. What advice, Dr. Vogel, would you have to that dental practice owner, what they need to start doing right now in order to start creating momentum back in their practice? Well, I wrote a couple of blip, blips on this a month or two ago to some of my closer friends here. Uh, first of all, all of you dentists who came back probably had a little surge. There was either some people that had broken their partial or they were waiting for you because they wanted you. They didn't want to... Uh, nearby emergency clinic to take care of them and stuff. So there's been a, a blip there. Come to September, all you guys are going to be hurting for business. I can just tell you that. Now that, if you quote me, date me, but that's what my feelings are. It's because it, this phase is going to go away. There's going to be a reality check. There's going to be some of those patients who you've called your regular patients who don't have jobs now. And some of them who lost their insurance. So you're going to be looking for patients. So number one, as a general dentist, do not turn any new patient away. If I were in general dental practice today, if I had to, I'd open a half day or full day to do nothing but take new patients. And I'd take mm -hmm. them so they could get in within a week. If I didn't do that, I'd block uh, an hour off every day, some way that I was able to take new patients. And the other thing I would do is take care of your own emergencies because they're coming to me. And the reason I know they're coming to me is because they have insurance, which we don't accept any, uh, but they're willing to pay cash because they can't get in to see you and that makes them feel bad. So 
get them in and see them. Work an extra half day. Do something. You just had six weeks off here a while back. Now make those six weeks up a day at a time, whether it's Saturday or, uh, you know, when it is. And, you know, make up for these lean times you had uh, so that when Thanksgiving comes, you now have a group of new patients and people you've served well to help fill in those those blank spots that I think will will come later. Yeah, that's that do whatever it takes mentality, right? Kind of that startup mentality of, hey, you know, we got to go, we got to go. And, and um, you know, I think you're right. A lot of practices out there probably listening right now, they probably had their best July they've ever had, um, you know, but, you know, who, who knows what the rest of the year is going to look like. So get that startup mentality, do whatever it takes. Dr. Vogel, we appreciate it. If you can tell, take just one second, can you tell our viewers out there where they can, uh, where they can contact you or how they can uh, reach you? Well, I think the best way to get to know me a little better is look up my website, uh, Dental ER Day. Let me get this right. Dental ER Dash. Dental. I got it. Dental Dash ER dot info. That's our local website. Or just look up Springfield, uh, Missouri, uh, Dental ER, and you're going to find us. And we're not hard to find. Uh, you can always call me and tell me where you heard about me, and I'll be glad to talk to you. My name's Charlie Vogel. Uh, my phone number is 417-839-1126. That's my cell phone, and I take calls day and night, uh, preferably not late at night, but if you think about it and you want to call then, it's okay. Just make sure you tell me where you heard about me and that you heard about me from these Duckett and Lad guys, because they're a great bunch of guys, and I've enjoyed uh, referring a few clients over to them and I think that they're going to do some really good things. So thanks a lot for having me on. I enjoyed it. Well, that's awesome. We appreciate you having you on. Uh, you joining us here. I know you're a busy guy and we'll appreciate the feedback as well, guys. Great listen Great here. Um, like I say at the end, every time guys go out and share the podcast to anybody who you think would benefit from it, subscribe to the podcast as well. So it comes to you first thing. Um, rate it, you know, go out there and rate this podcast. If you like it, didn't like it, let us know. And then also review it leave a review that we want to spread the message. And I mean, our passion is to go out and help dentists, dental practice owners, you know, get better to create the practice that they deserve. Um, so guys have a great week and we'll talk soon. We'll see you. Thanks guys.